Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. But I want to just uh, read a story to you uh, from 2 Kings and uh, and you've heard this story probably you've read it a few times but it's a story about the uh, Shunammite woman uh, who builds the room on for Elisha and uh, I want to talk to you a little while about the doorway to destiny and uh, this is a pretty incredible story um, and uh, so if you haven't heard it before or read it then uh, you pay extra attention today then because it's it's really good so I'm just going to read it and uh, point out some things as we as we go along because the story does so much on its own uh, but it starts in second uh, kings chapter 4 and verse 8 and so it says one day elisha went to the town of shunem a wealthy woman lived there and she urged him to come to her home for a meal after that whenever he passed that way he would stop there for something to eat She said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay uh, whenever he comes by. So we'll stop right there. So here it says that uh, there was a, a wealthy woman that lived in Shunem. So the first thing we need to know is it's okay to be wealthy. I wish we all were. But it's okay if you're not, but it's okay if you are. And it's also okay to do something extravagant for God with the wealth that He blesses you, uh, you with. And, uh, but I'm going to admit, if I were to hear about one of you guys building on a room to your house for your favorite preacher, for just for when they come into town, you want them to have a nice place to stay, I probably would think you were a little crazy. And we probably would all think that. We probably would uh, say all kind of terrible things about that person and then say, bless their heart at the end of it. But, uh, and they would be funny. We would crack all kinds of jokes about the crazy lady at church who built a room onto her house for brother or sister so-and-so when they happened to be in town. And, uh, and it wouldn't be right, but we would probably all do it if we're being honest. Now, there are some crazy people out there that do some strange things, but there are also people that are like this woman. We need to look at what she was actually doing. By her making room for the man of God, she was, in a sense, making room for God. She was clearing some space for a visitation so that there was room at her house. Now, a lot of us, we like to talk about Especially if we're hearing stories from different evangelists or, or speakers or, or singers about, you know, how they had this encounter with the Lord or they had this vision or they had this, whatever this may be that intrigues you or you find interesting, we'll think, man, I'd love to have an encounter like that with the Holy Spirit. 
I would love for something like that to happen to me. I would, I would, man, that would just be so amazing if that, if, if I walked in my house one day and the presence of God just showed up and this happened or, or that happened. And we talk about one, we want to just do something great for the kingdom. And I just, you know, I want to do, I want to reach this unbelievable destiny in God. But are we making a space for him? Are you making space in your life for the visitation that you say you want to have, the encounter that you want to uh, experience? If we want more of God in our lives, are we making room for Him? Well, as crazy as she may seem to us, this woman did it. And sometimes when you're making room for God in your life, people are going to think you're crazy. It's just going to happen. The same guy got me twice when I first gave my heart to the Lord at about... Uh, 21. Uh, I didn't really want to tell any of my friends, okay? I know you're supposed to go tell everybody, but I didn't really want to tell a lot of people. I was wanting to make sure it stuck first. I'm just being honest. I want to make sure to... And, and so uh, this, a buddy got in the car with me, and I had forgotten to take out my Christian CD that I had in there. And you can imagine what he said. He's like, what is this garbage? And uh, he said, what are you listening to? And uh, I don't even remember what I said to get out of that one. First time I decided I would try a fast. They put, uh, I, we, I did that Daniel fast. Same guy. He happens to come along. You go on a fast, everybody wants to eat with you. And... Uh, He's there, and, and he, he sees my little snack bag. For, for those of you who've done the Daniel fast, you know you can't, uh, uh, all you're eating fruits and vegetables and nuts and stuff. And he starts this whole thing on me. What? And he's, he's letting me have it pretty hard. He's like, what are you doing eating nuts and berries? What are you, a freaking deer? It just goes on me. Oh, I shouldn't have said freaking. I'm sorry about that. That's, I was trying to tone down what he said to me. I apologize. But... Uh, yeah, he, 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 he's, he's like, and he kept on about nuts and berries, nuts and everywhere he went, he was telling people about me eating nuts and berries. So sometimes when you make room for the Lord, you look crazy to people who are not making room for him in their lives. But it doesn't change the importance, importance of that. So, Dad, edit that out back there if you can for me. <laughs> Verse 11, it says, One day Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to this upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, Tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, Tell her we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, What can we do for her? Gehazi replied, She doesn't have a son and her husband's an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, Next year at this time you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my lord, she cried. O oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant, and at that time the following year she had a son just as Elisha had said. Okay, so this woman, she's made space for a visitation. She's made room for the man of God, and now he wants to bless her. It's amazing how that works. We have a lot of people who won't make space for God at all, but they just want him to bless them. 
And He does bless us. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. But if you will make room for that visitation in your life, you might be surprised what happens. And so here it is. She's standing, it says, in the doorway. And He tells her that by this time next year, you're going to have a son. So we could learn a lot from this woman. Because there are some of us here today that we need to make room for God in our lives. If that's you, you know who you are. It's okay, but you need to do it. You need to make a space for that visitation. There are also some of us here that we've made room for God, and now we need to stand in the doorway. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of people that they're, they're making room for God all the time. And they're so busy making room that they never stand still long enough to let God speak into their lives. They never take the time to stop and stand in the doorway and let God speak over them and bless them. They're just too busy. And so with what was spoken over this woman in the doorway, God was about to give her something that she had given up on a long time ago. God was about to fulfill a dream that she, she had forgotten about. It was so old. It was over. Say, so I don't know about you, but I want God to speak over me. I want to I hear what He has to say because when God speaks, incredible things happen. Now, maybe you're like me and you've never really thought about that. I, I went for years and never even thought about what God thought about me or what God said about me. I, I, you know, I tried to focus on what I was supposed to say about God and what I was supposed to think about God, but I never really gave it any thought about His thoughts toward me, His true feelings toward me. And so I believe this was, uh, this was probably about 17, 17, 18 years ago. It was um, right before, either right after my grandfather passed away. Now, Grandpa, he took care of everything for us in a sense spiritually. Maybe you've got somebody like that in your family. I didn't ever have to read the Bible. All I had to do was ask Grandpa. If you, you probably got somebody like that. And if I had a question, you just ask him. I need to pray about something, you just ask him, whatever it was. And uh, so when, when this happened to our family, everything kind of changed. And uh, so this is when he was really sick, and we knew he was about to pass through the right after. Dad and myself, we decided that we needed to, I guess, step up a little bit. So we, we were checking into some things, and we heard about these Bible classes. And this is way before I ever thought I was uh, going to be a preacher. But um, so we hear about these Bible classes and they tell us, oh, you need to sign up for this month's class because if you're even thinking about it, you need to take this class because this class is going to have a live speaker. And usually it's by video and it's not anywhere near as good as the live speaker. Just take this class. So we didn't even know what the class was. We just signed up. And uh, we're like, well, what is this going to be like? It's, it's, just like a, it's just like going to a college class or something. It's laid back. We've got drinks, snacks, everything. So I'm thinking, oh, well, this isn't going to be bad at all. So I get there. Me and Dad get there, and you got to wear a name tag. And uh, I get some – they had free snacks. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I wasn't worried about calories at all back then, so I grabbed a couple of drinks and uh, a few bags of chips. And, like, this class is going to be a breeze. So I start eating my chips, and we didn't sit near the front. We got kind of about midway. You don't want to sit too far back. You don't want to sit too close. So um, the guy gets up, and he grabs the book, and he says, uh, we got plenty of time to get to this book. We'll talk about this later. I feel like God just wants me to minister for a little while. I'm thinking, well, this guy's strange. I'm just still eating my chips. 
And I realized that I, we have signed up for a class on deliverance. And it still hadn't really sunk in yet. So I'm still eating chips and I'm thinking, what what this guy's, what is he talking about? He tells a few stories about stuff that's happened to him and, and his line of work. And uh, he walks up to this lady and she's at the front and he says, ma'am, can I talk to you a minute? I'm still eating chips, drinking my drink, and everything's good. And she says, sure. He said, well, I want to, I want to go ahead and say, if I say anything that sounds rude or if I raise my voice at all, I'm getting ready to start talking to the spirit world and I'm not talking to you. Please don't be offended. And I'm thinking, what is, what is going on here? And then he said, he said, you've been bothered by a spirit of fear. And uh, he says, we're going to take care of that today. And then he says, he says, says, you spirit of fear, you've got no place in this woman. And uh, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over you and I'm telling you to come out. And I'm still eating chips like this is the weirdest deliverance. You know, I've been uh, raised up in the church of God, you know, where they yell at them and do all kind of stuff like that. So I'd never seen anything like this. And then she spoke back to him and she told him no. But it was more like a growl in a real deep voice. I put my chips down and I bowed my head. <laughs> and I started saying, Lord, I don't know what kind of class I'm in. But anyways, he, it real, real calm, I guess I'll finish the story with her. Real calmly, she just said no. Well, not she wasn't calm. As soon as she says no, he real calmly, he says, that's enough of you. He talked like he was talking to a kid, which really is how we should be if we're walking in the authority that the Lord has given us. But he said, he said, that's going to be enough out of you. You're not going to try and embarrass this lady in front of all these people. Now, you keep quiet and come on out like I told you. Just that calm. And he ended up the, uh, you know, uh, leading her to deliverance and casting the spirit out. But that gets me to night number two. This was going to be, this, we had two nights, and three hours a night, and then we had uh, four hours on that Saturday. So night number two, I didn't get any drinks. I didn't get any chips. I made sure that I was going to look like, I might have even, I used to have more hair back then. I kind of flipped it up. I might have even done the Church of God part that day just to make sure I look good. But uh, I'm, uh, I don't remember. But we're there in the class and he holds up the book again. He says, we got plenty of time to get to this book. I'm thinking, oh no. We got plenty of time. We'll get to that tomorrow. And uh, he says, I feel like the Lord wants me to minister. And so he starts talking to a few people. Still got my name tag on. He, walk, he, he leaves the front row and he starts coming back. And he stops in front of our table. And he's reading the name tags. He says, Bobby and Aaron. And I'm looking at Dad like, what is, what's going on with Dad? It's, it's got to be Dad. <laughs> what's about to happen here? And, uh, but it was, it, was, it was nothing like that. Dad was good. But he says, uh, and I'm nervous, as you can imagine. I'm really nervous. And he just starts this thing. He says, Bobby, Aaron, and then we were nobodies. Well, we're still kind of nobodies, Dad, unfortunately. But, but you know what I mean. Like, we, we weren't in any kind of ministry or anything. And he says, uh, Bobby, Aaron, he says, the Lord is speaking about you right now. And he said, you would not believe the things that he's saying about you. 
He says, right now in heaven, the things that he's saying, he's talking about the ministry that you're going to do. He's talking about the impact you're going to have for the kingdom. He, is, he said, it would blow your mind if he, you just knew what he thought about you. He said, I'm hearing him right now, what he's saying. And he just, he just went on and on for just a couple of minutes and uh, kind of encouraged us and exhorted us. And, and uh, it changed everything. Because for the first time in my life, I began to think about what does God think about me? What does God say about me? Instead of always just, you know, making sure I was following all the rules. And it, it, it was different because to realize that he was saying things about us and we hadn't even done anything. We hadn't even tried. We had barely made room for a visitation. We had barely made a space in our lives. We were too busy with other things. But yet he was already speaking about the incredible things that he planned on doing through us and through the reach that we, we would have. See, God's speaking amazing things about each and every one of you today as well. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. It doesn't matter if you've not even made that space yet for that visitation. It doesn't matter because he has a purpose and a plan for you. He wants you to make a space and then stand in the doorway and let him bless you like you've never been blessed before. He wants to speak over you. And when he speaks over you, things happen. So stand in the doorway and allow God to speak into your life. Verse 18, back to her story. It says, one day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap, but around noontime he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. It is neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. But she said it will be all right. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband, and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, everything is fine. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. So this woman made room for a visitation. She stood in the doorway had this doorway experience of him speaking a blessing over her, but see, her, her destiny didn't happen overnight. She had a path to go down. She had a path that she had to walk. So you could, you could say that after standing in the doorway, she entered what I call the hallway of life's troubles. When you leave the doorway, you go into the hallway. And so here she is. We all think that this goes from... I, sh I should have maybe changed that in the title because we all think it's straight doorway to destiny. No, 
it's doorway then hallway before you ever get to that destiny and it's not always a fun experience in the hallway and so here she is in the very thing that the man of God has spoken over her and over her life is dead her son is dead the thing that she thought was going to bring her so much joy and now it's gone but I want you to notice what she did she put the boy in the prophet's room. She, she went back to the place where she made that space for God. She brought him back to the place of promise, and she put him there. And after that, she followed the hallway procedure. And so the hallway procedure is a lot like school. Um, it's probably all changed now because everything hurts people's feelings, so they're not allowed to have rules. But when I was in school, we had rules for the hallway. And they were different when you're in elementary school and junior high and high school. They all changed. But at some point in time, one of these rules was always in effect, depending on, on where you were at at school. And uh, the first one was, well, we called them book bags. Now they call them backpacks. So I don't know which one you call them, but there was no book bags in the hallway. It's just the way that it was. You had to put your backpack... I'll just use both so I look like I know, but book bag, backpack, you had to put it either uh, under your desk when you're in elementary school somewhere in the room, or you had to leave it in your locker in junior high school, because if everybody's going through, I don't know why they thought this, but they said if everybody's going through the hallways with backpacks on, that there's too much baggage being carried around and the hallways are going to get jammed up and no one will reach their destination. And so you had to put the backpack up and leave it there. So that's what this woman did. She put the boy in the room. She didn't drag him around playing show and tell, letting everybody know how bad things were. She didn't do it. She just put him there and she left him and went on her, on her way. And so this leads us to rule number two. Now, <clears throat> this was mainly when I was in elementary school, but even some teachers were this way in junior high. There was no talking in the hallway. And that was a horrible rule, but it still was a rule. She didn't tell everyone what was going on. She didn't tell anyone until she got to the prophet. She didn't go around telling everybody, hey, yeah, my promise is dead. God let me have it a little while. I'm thankful for the time I had, but it's dead. She didn't do it. She didn't tell everybody that, I'm, yeah, I'm going through some things right now. I'm just going through some stuff. Now, look, there are those times that we're supposed to share with each other because we're to lift one another up. We're to help carry one another and pray for one another and all that. But there are also some times where the best thing we can do is keep quiet and keep walking. Keep quiet and just keep trusting God in what, he's, what He said. And so that leads to rule number three. No loitering in the hallway. We all have to go through the hallway, but we don't have to live there. Now, some people try to, and uh, maybe you can remember that teacher, you know, hey, get to class, no hanging out in the hallway, no hanging out in the hallway. They're yelling it over and over, getting under everybody's skin in high school. But what happens if you hang out in the hallway, you're late to class. You end up not being somewhere you're supposed to be in an appointed time. So I don't want to be late for anything that God has for me. We have a lot of people, and they're, they're, they're carrying around everything. And, I, oh, I'm, I'm just believing God. I'm trusting God. And they're, really, all they're doing is hanging out in the hallway. And they're going to be there for the next 20 years. They're never going to reach their appointment. They're never going to reach their destination because they're not following the procedure. 
But see, this woman followed all the rules. And so she gets to the man of God. And when she gets to the man of God, she, this boldness comes upon her and she just she grabs a hold of his feet. And she tells him, she tells him what the deal is. She tells him everything that's going on. And, and she even tells him she's not going anywhere if he doesn't go with her. She doesn't accept his first response of sending the servant. She says, I'm not going anywhere. Now, I'm, I'm sure probably none of you ever do this, but for me, sometimes when I'm uh, praying or I'm uh, trying to talk to the Lord, I find myself trying to uh, do everything the right way. So I'm trying to be so politically correct and so theologically correct and make sure I say everything the right way and I approach everything the right way that I'm about halfway through the prayer and I don't even know what I'm praying about anymore. It, be, it has to be God I'm talking to because He's the only one that will be able to understand the nonsense that I'm saying. Because I'm afraid, you know, you don't want to be too blunt. You have a hard time, you know, just saying, God, this is what I need or, or this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. You want to make sure that, has anyone ever done that? Yeah, and, and you, you, you get in this constant struggle and, and they always say you're supposed to pray till you feel a release and you just feel like more and more pressure coming on you because you just don't tell him what you, what, what's going on. So she was beyond that point. She was bold and she was blunt. And so I believe that God wants us to get to that point in our journeys, that we can and we will just articulate what's actually going on in our lives. It's, it's difficult at times. It's one, sometimes one of the hardest things to do is be honest with God. It just is. But this woman, she grabs the prophet's feet and she, she told him what was going on. And so that's another point that we can learn from her is that God will resurrect anything we lay at His feet. Quit, 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 quit carrying it around. Quit hanging out in the hallway and lay it at His feet. And that's exactly what happens here. Verse 31. It says, Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him, The child is still dead. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then stretched himself out again, on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, call the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. What an incredible story. An amazing testimony that this lady has, but it's not the end of her story. See, her son coming back to life was not the conclusion of her destiny. It wasn't even, uh, it wasn't all of her destiny. I'll just put it that way. We find the rest of her story actually in 2 Kings chapter 8. In chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says, Elisha had told the woman whose son he had brought back to life, Take your family and move to some other place, for the Lord has called for a famine on Israel that will last for seven years. So the woman did as the man of God instructed. 
She took her family and settled in the land of the Philistines for seven years. After the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to see the king about getting back her house and land. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. The king had just said, tell me some stories about the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha brought a boy back to life. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. Look, my lord, the king, Gehazi exclaimed, here is the woman now, and this is her son, the very one Elisha brought back to life. Is this true? The king asked her, and she told him the story. So he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. So here's the lady. She made room for a visitation. She stood in the doorway and allowed the prophet, the man of God, to speak over her. And she receives the blessing that she has to go through the hallway uh, experience. And even after that, because she made room for this prophet, she's even able to find out about a famine that's coming and move her family away to safety before she has to endure the hard times of the famine. And so now it's been seven years uh, and she's back. And she's going to see the king about trying to get her land back that she just abandoned seven years earlier. And right at the same time, which is a lot of the way God likes to work, the exact moment that Gehazi, Elisha's uh, servant, is talking to the king and telling him about the miracle, about Elisha bringing a boy back to life, she walks in. And so he's telling the king, and he says, hey, that's the boy's mom right there, and that's the boy. And so because of this, the king gives her everything that she had lost. Not only the land, not only the house, but he even gives her the money that was made on that land for those seven years. And remember, she didn't do anything to that land for those seven years. She still got the money for the work she didn't even do. See, in other words, at this point, her doorway had reached her destiny. And see, her hallway experience, even as... As bad as it was, as dark as it was, as uncomfortable as it was, it was actually the key or the gateway to the glorious things that God had in store for her all along. See, none of us like to go through the hallway. But you'll be surprised the things that God can use. And so I don't know where you may feel like you are in life uh, in relation to this story today, but God knows where you're at. God knows exactly where you're at. And it may seem like you're, you're missing out on some things today. It may seem like some things aren't going your way because, because your situation seems to be going on for so long. Maybe it's just like the woman. Maybe it's been going on for seven years, maybe longer. Don't lose hope. Just like God did for her, He can do it for you. He can turn everything around in just a moment. The King of Kings is speaking on your behalf. Just like the the guy teaching that day told me and dad, and it would blow your mind what he's saying about you right now. It's all good things. Why wouldn't we take the time to hear what he has to say? So I believe that when you come through whatever it is that you may be going through in your hallway experience, that God was going to bring supernatural favor upon you. God is going to bless you uh, greater than you could have ever dreamed because he has a destiny for each and every one of you. Okay, if you would, let's, let's just bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for every person that's here today, God, and I thank you for every hand that was raised. 
God, you know where each and every one of us are at in life, in our journeys, God. I just pray for those here today, Lord, that have never even uh, taken the time to make a place, to make a space for visitation, God, that we will begin to do that. We won't worry about what other people say and what other people think and if they call us crazy or if they have a lot of comments to make. It doesn't matter, God, because we want you. God, you're more important than all of it. Jesus, you're worth it all. So, God, I pray for, for, uh, for those here that haven't made a space, God, that we would take the first step and begin to, to be intentional in our time with you. God, I pray for those, Lord, that have maybe they've made a space, God, but they've just been so busy. Sometimes we get busy with life. Sometimes we get busy with church, God. I just pray, Lord, that we would just stand still and just hear what you're saying about us. Lord, I thank you for the destinies that you're speaking over each and every one. I thank you for the kind words, Lord, the encouragement, and Lord, the, 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 how proud you are of us, Lord, and the, and the amazing, unbelievable works you have for us to accomplish for your glory. God, I pray that you give us strength as we go through the hallway experience, God, that we would just, we would just follow the rules, God. Lord, that we won't be carrying around extra baggage, Lord, that we won't just be trying to tell everybody about our problems, Lord, and that we won't hang out in the hallway, but that, God, we will keep moving and that we will, we, will, we will come straight to you, Lord, and that we will be bold and we'll be blunt with our requests, God, knowing that you can take care of it all. And, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that as you guide us and that you lead us, Lord, that you're going to restore all things. Lord, I thank you for the favor that you're placing upon each and every one here today, Lord. Favor with you, favor with man. God, I thank you for restored health, Lord, restored relationships, restored finances, God. Lord, restored influence, God. Lord, for every person in this place. God, help us to go after you like never before, God, and help us to just follow your lead, God. You're so good, and we just bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our Connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.